We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 271 tonight. We have back by popular demand, Let Maurice Speak Part 2. And I don't know if I'm going to let him speak. I might. <laughs> we might. Well, I'm already feeling better. If you watch your older episodes, I look a little ghostly. <laughs> it looks like Cuckoo. I got the blood flowing through my body tonight, folks. Uh, yeah, I warmed up his temp. Uh, video wise so um but yeah let maurice speak part two uh if you haven't checked out maurice's new band dogo um which i have all of his links at the bottom i have his youtube channel he has a new track called start again i helped him do the album art for it but uh, it's great music um you know very chill like jammy you know singer songwriter uh, with like a little bit of a jazz influence into it. It's, it's really cool stuff. So if you haven't checked it out, please do so. I have the links down below, Spotify uh, and YouTube. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some other stuff too, like some maybe some of our own personal shows, that stuff that we've done together, seen Fish and other jam bands and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, before we get started, uh, I want to give a special shout out to... Um, uh her buddy brian who i've been chatting with um if if you're into like jam band stuff uh check out um our buddy brian's uh uh etsy it's called aligned mind designs and you can check out his website at www.aligned-mind-designs with a z.com and uh Dude's got tons of stuff on there. He's a huge Widespread Panic fan, if you like uh, Widespread Panic. But he's got, like, Orgone, Pyramids, all sorts of stuff on there. So I just, I'm just i going to start plugging people um, that are part of our community that reach out to me and stuff like that um, because I feel like there's a lot of cool people out there that are creative that are getting a lot of stuff done. So also shout-out to Aubrey, who is currently kind of helping me uh, with possibly um, a new Mind Escape logo. So we might be changing the logo up a little bit here. I don't know for sure, uh, but it's a it's a potential thing. Uh, and I like what I'm seeing so far. So, um, yeah. And, yeah, I guess before we get started, one more thing. Uh, if you want to support Mind Escape, all you have to do is click on the Linktree link down below. I have a bunch of top episodes on there, but um, we have our documentary coming out in March, March 10th through 12th. It's premiering at the Roswell UFO Expo. The name of our documentary is 
as within, so without, from UFOs to DMT. Uh, really, really looking forward to it. I have the link to the trailer um, in the information down below. And, uh, yeah, we have, I redid our Patreon page. Shout out to, uh, our new Patreon members. Um, I'm going to start doing Patreon episodes again next week. I know it's been a while, um, but I'm going to start getting back to that as well. Uh, we have a merch store. You can get your own, you know, hashtag let Maurice speak silhouette t-shirt. All you have to do is click on the link tree, go to our merch store and, and purchase one. That's it. Um, I need to get I need to get one myself ordered around town, you know. You should. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I should. I mean, you people would know, I mean, based on the outline, it looks exactly like you even though there's no features on it. Um yeah. but yeah, that's pretty much it. And shout out to everybody. Shout out to Shane, shout out to Toby, and yeah, check out my other podcast, the Roswell UFO Symposium. The link is also down below. But let's get this shit started, all right? Let's go, let's go. Let Maurice speak. Um, so start talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny is I uh, I like the chit-chat, I like to talk, and actually one thing that I've realized lately is I've been trying to like restrict myself from talking at parties and shit. I've been trying to just kind of listen more than talk, but obviously this is not a time for that, but... uh. I don't know. Do you cut yourself kind of just talking at talking at get togethers and stuff like that? I've really been trying to just let people kind of speak and just kind of take in what they're saying more than, you know, speaking over them or trying to interrupt or cause I always, I'm always trying to like crowbar jokes in and stuff like that. And especially with jokes, it's like, if you don't get them in right when they're saying a particular thing, if the joke isn't going to land, but I don't know. How do you feel about that? Um, I don't, you know me, I don't really go to parties, haven't since probably my late 20s. No, but um, I'm talking more like family functions and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I always, you know, I have more of a humorous, you know, like like my nerdy stuff gets kind of put away when I'm around my family. I mean, sometimes it comes out if they want to ask, if they ask me something. But for the most part, I just joke around with everybody in my family. So, I mean, it's more of a flow yeah. thing. But to your point, it's something I've really paid attention to on mind escape because I do talk over people and I have mm. talked over guests and I've had to like write notes down, like shut, shut up, shut, <laughs> yeah. shut, shut your mouth. Um, uh, shut and, up. yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just something you have to work on. I mean, there's times where I'll drink coffee and maybe I'll get a little too hyped up and just start blabbering, you know? So you just really have to keep it in check, but yeah, um, I find that happens a lot. Yeah. I mean, but I'm just, just passionate. When you when you're talking about something that you're passionate about, it's hard to kind of contain yourself. You know, you want to jump in and 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 get it going. But yeah, that's it's, I think it's a, it, yeah, true, true. But it it is a good excuse me a good trait to kind of just sit back and listen. Sometimes, especially like if I if I'm like consciously doing it, then I'm probably already talking too much. So just me like really like focusing on sitting back and kind of enjoying letting everybody tell their story um, and going around the room. That's just one thing I've been, been working on. But again, in a podcast, it's not really, you just sit there and stare at each other. That's not really the time or the place to do it. But so if so we want to jump tell, in, tell me about Dogo. Uh, Dogo is a, is a new project. Well, it, it's not even really that new. It kind of uh, formed this couple years ago. Um, when we were kind of trapped, couldn't really go out. So I took the guitar. 
I, I always had like an acoustic hanging on my wall. Um, back in the day, you know, me and you were both in a band and stuff. So we probably had, we, we both had thousands of dollars in equipment. And I've told the story a couple of times. I traded in all my band equipment and kind of bought, you know, cameras and stuff like that. That was more of a, it was like a shift in the way I was going to kind of make art instead of making music. I, I, I put my focus in to photos and videos and that kind of thing. That became the way that I was going to express myself artistically. So art's always been a part of my life and, um, music, it speaks to the soul. It's, it's, it's the kind of art that's not that, you know, other art isn't magical, but music is, there's something really special about that. There's something that can, um, spark your, it can give you energy. Like if you're working out and you put on a a song, it pumps you up. It can also make you cry, at least for me. And, uh, it can give you the chills so it can pretty much spawn any emotion. And to me, that's something that's, uh, that's, that's pure magic. It also is like, it's almost like a drug in the sense where, um, you can wear out, like you can become, uh, kind of complacent to a song. If you listen to the same song over and over and over, the magic wears off kind of just like anything you, you build up a tolerance to it. So you got to be careful about listening to the same stuff over and over. Like if I'll, I'll find a song like I really love, I'll try to only listen to it, um, you know, seldomly. I don't know if you if you're like that, too, but it's easy to, to, to listen to a song over and over when you like it. And then it just wears it out and you can never get that magic back. I don't ever do that, but I've been on a goose kick the last like six or seven months. Um, people haven't heard the band Goose. They're a jam band. Um, you know, they've been kind of touring around with some of the bigger jam bands. I know they went on tour with Trey, uh, Anastasio from fish. Uh, they did. Yeah. They're, they, they just played with Bob Weir. So yeah, that was they pretty played cool. at the dead, uh, plane in the sand. I think it was called a festival in Mexico that they did. Um, yeah. I mean, here's the thing is when I get into something, I go deep. Like when fish went on hiatus, I jumped, you know, head on into Umphreys McGee and saw them like a ton of times, you know, like five or six new years in a row. I saw their, all their runs. So, um, yeah, actually that the picture behind me is from one of the, I think it's from Ravinia, um, the Ravinia festival show Umphreys probably like oh cool eight years ago, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I, I think that you and I definitely have obviously a creative bond, um, with everything that we do, but I mean, all of this kind of started the creative stuff with the music. Cause, um, you were kind of the first person that I heard talking, you and Rob, our cousin Rob were talking about fish. I'm like, what is this? You know, at that point I had, I knew about like Dave Matthews band and, you know, I'd listened to all that kind of stuff, but on an alternative right, right. rock and classic rock and all that, Almond Brothers, very big into that and all that. But, um, you, which goes Rob, hand in hand with fish. They're, they're all, I mean, the Gallman brothers are considered one of the pioneer jam bands. So, right. And you're because of your older sister and because of our older cousin, Rob, I mean, you, we're like checking them out. I'm like, oh, okay. So let me let me see what this is all about. And I remember that weekend I stayed at Rob's, uh, the infamous driving through the back of the garage. Weekend. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, um, that was when I heard Rift, the CD Rift, for the first time in his old. Uh, what was that? Was that a Camry? I don't know. That old ass Camry. I don't know. Smash, smash. <laughs> um, but yeah, I heard Rift, and it like blew my mind. And for from then on, I was pretty much 
deeply into fish and it inspired me to play guitar and become proficient in guitar and um yeah i mean you and i i mean we have a different kind of skill sets i would say you're very good at singer songwriter obviously you can rip and jam you do it on your um uh what you would call it instagram your instagram and your tiktok um so yeah, check yeah out, telly check out tuesdays telly tuesdays he does them and i i like listening to that some good stuff um Thanks, man. But, but I, you know, I think you excel like your CD. You can tell you're like a good at like putting your emotions into uh, lyrics and words and then applying that to like music and chord structures and stuff like that. So I always thought that that was your biggest um, thing that you were like good at, you know. Well, that's yeah, that's kind of how the band even started. We had you playing lead and I was kind of more of the uh, the rhythm guitar player. But um, to piggyback kind of on what you were saying, I was actually talking to our our old bass player Demambro, and he's he was talking to me he's like oh man you know i really um and i want to pre- i want to preface this by saying like i'm not trying to like blow smoke up my own butt here i just this is kind of what my friend was saying <laughs> and say, obviously a uh, episode name let more you speak is a little self-serving too so <laughs> i'm a, i'm a humble guy um if people hear me talking about like my band and stuff like that just remember i'm just kind of doing that for this episode um but he was saying yeah i wish i could write these the songs that you write and i i kind of also think that every musician has that like the envy of oh i wish i would have wrote that or whatever but he kept saying i wish i I can write the the stuff that you're doing because his music always comes out like funk and he he wants to write more of a singer songwriter stuff but you know it's funny because i want to write more funky stuff and my stuff always comes out singer songwriter but that was one lesson that i learned um I watched a couple of local bands that I loved and they were trying to make it and they were, they kind of were shifting their sound around. And I think that when you kind of, when you write anything, when you create any kind of art, you got to just be true to what you are doing. Like it it happens a lot with comedians. There'll be like a craze uh, or like a a certain type of of comedy that's going around that's popular and everybody will kind of like skew their stuff to kind of, um, go with what's what's the in thing but it never works out because it's never coming from an honest place so just with any art it's like all you can do is create what you feel and if people respond to it they respond to it you can't you can't be a poser you can't like fake and try and write a song because you you're really into fish you're gonna write a jam band or you're really into Radiohead and you're gonna write a song like that it's like you just gotta write what you hear and you feel and it is what it is. And if people respond to it, they respond to it. But like, if you look at any of the great artists, like Jimi Hendrix, wasn't like doing that to, to, to be the, to be cool or whatever. He was, he was like hearing that and feeling that. And that's one thing that the human, the human race has always responded to is, uh, being genuine. You know what I mean? It's like, if you, if you're a poser or something, especially in today's world with social media and stuff, like people, people can spot one of those fake videos a mile away. First of all, you can't act. These people think that they're the next, uh, you know, Tom Hardy or something. It's like you're not acting in your your TikTok. We blatantly can see that this is fake. And everybody on the comments is like, this is the fakest thing I've ever seen. This is the fakest thing I've ever seen. So that's kind of where I'm coming from with uh, the originality, you know, and back when we had our band, we had a band in high school called The Marm. 
and I would sit in my basement and we'd puff on, on doobies and stuff and try and write a song. And you just, I don't know, some people that age have went through tons of stuff, but us growing up in Gross Point, it's like our lives weren't very difficult. Um, and you just can't, you, you got to write stuff that's, that's true to you. You got to write what you know. And our lives were, were, there just wasn't any like, you know, troubling times or there just wasn't well, for I, me at least. Well, I was, I'll say this. I mean, you went through divorce. We, I went through my, or our, my parents, your parents both, you know, they went through divorce. I think that that can have a massive impact on your psyche when you, you're coming of age, you know? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. I think some things like, obviously we didn't have the hardships that a lot of people experience, like you said, coming from tougher upbringings or whatever, but um, like you said, you have to write to what you know, and you know through like the struggles that you've had through like relationships with like family and um, losing friends and things like that, right? So I mean, there's still an element of hardship and pain that we all go through, no matter what the background is. Yeah, I'm not saying that our lives were hard. I'm just saying like I was trying to like create a song out of thin air, and now I treat it more as oh, I this is a I have like a, a main theme or I have a feeling that I want to express and that's what the song is going to become. And I don't know, maybe back then we were just, I was just naive and I was just, um, I don't, I, I wasn't able to tap into my true art essence. And now I think that, that I actually can, uh, can kind of hone in on that. And that's funny that you talk about divorce, the new song that we just released last Friday, it's called start again. Um, Actually, one of my other cousins sent me a, a poem and the poem was about, you know, problems and they're not going away. And I kind of use that as a launch pad. So the new song that I just wrote is actually about a man or a woman just contemplating um, they're in a relationship. They're in a, a bad relationship and they don't know what they should do. Should they kind of stay with them? Should they stay with their partner and just kind of tough it out or what would their life kind of look like if they, if they separated? And that's the name of the song It's called start again. And when I was writing it, I was thinking I got to the bridge. So the whole beginning of the song is about the guy going back and forth. Should I break up? Should I, should I stay in this? And then I got to the bridge and the first time I wrote it, I thought I was like, Oh, maybe I'll just have them, you know, stay in the, in the, in the marriage and, and see how this pans out. But then I wrote it some words and I was like, this isn't right. And then I kind of just went back to my family going through the divorce that they did. And then me seeing all my, my cousins, our, our family had a lot of divorce in it, ladies and gentlemen, when we were growing up. So I was like, why, why am I going to write something that I don't know? So I ended up finishing the song with the main character kind of going the opposite way and embracing the breakup and, and, and seeing that there is a fresh, a fresh life outside of this and you can have a, you can start again and things can be better for you. Um, so that's kind of the new song, uh, start again. What, what are your thoughts on that? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. 
Well, yeah, first off, I really like the song. Um, your band Dogo has like a specific vibe, which I appreciate too. Um, Thank you. And yeah, to your point, I, well, I want to go back for a second. You mentioned something earlier about like staying true to yourself and the art and everything. Did you see that clip I posted on Instagram of Rick Rubin talking about that? No, but I'm pretty familiar with his approach to everything, and I've seen lots of documentaries about him, especially working with the Beastie Boys, and then that yeah. the uh, the the what was it the flower uh, wild flowers with Tom Petty. That's that's awesome stuff. But you can elaborate on that if you want. Well, yeah, no, it was just Rick Rubin saying like do you like make like you were talking about comedy earlier the best comedians are the comedians that are themselves like on stage absolutely something i've learned in podcasting is some of our earlier episodes i either felt awkward i think there's a nervousness element to it too but uh, when i started really just getting more comfortable in front of the camera and doing this live and everything i mean we do our show live so like we have like an intro there's you know i'm not editing this at all like that's what i think some people like listen to our show and they think that like, oh, you know, cool intro song and, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like we there's ums and ahs and yanos and all sorts of things in there. <laughs> um, but we don't edit this at all. This is a live show. This is like a live performance um, in a way. Mm-hmm. So like when I got more comfortable with it, um, I realized I'm not even being myself. I have to be myself. And I, I you know, I would always send you texts like let's just banter because when you and I banter and do our thing you know i think that we're two of the more not to toot our own horn but i think we're we're, yeah we're we're pretty funny okay like back in high school (laughs) there's gonna be a lot of smoke being blown up ass today's episode well back in high school like parties and college and all that stuff we used to make people cry laugh you know so like that was we've always and we've always had cool conversations just ourselves too just you and i like shooting the shit like i'd sleep over at your house you'd sleep over my house we'd be Roke in the Delge till early in the morning talking about weird stuff, stuff we talk on the podcast, stuff, you know, life stuff. But um, at the end of the day, I wanted to capture our relationship um, initially mixed with the topics that we talk about. And and I think that that's kind of happening um, now in a certain way. I mean, I feel like the last two years have really shifted or i've shifted the way that i've instead of putting on a show and I, we've always been true like all the information and it's always been like a true and honest effort but like now i feel more comfortable just being who i am on here and i feel like that for you too you know and um yeah i think that that's important i think when that comes out of music that's super important but back to the rick rubin thing he's just saying if you're an artist whether you're a singer songwriter or your painter or um, whatever as long as you are doing what you want to do that passion that you were talking about like earlier like you're passionate and talking about things in front of your family or whatever like that'll shine through and people want to be around that energy uh, but you got to find a way to capture that what the, whatever that essence is of, of part of your creativity and present that in the best way possible, just like slowly over time, like hone that in, you know? And I think that, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's tough. It Music's takes, fun, I, the- you know, but, but I've dropped, I put my guitar down one time. I put my guitar down, sold, you mentioned selling all your gear. I used to work for guitar center. I sold probably six thousand, seven thousand $7,000 worth of gear initially. Just kept a guitar to, 
Um, but there's stuff I regret. There's a guitar I sold for like $500. It's worth like $7,000 now, you know? So it's like stuff yeah, like I that. I, I, I have some serious regrets. Um, and multiple times in my life, I've put my guitar down and stopped playing in bands and stuff like that. And I'm not playing in a band now, but I'm still using my creativity. Like I created the intro song to this and I was posting clips of me playing guitar and stuff. And you're doing the same thing too. Um, I, you know, I, I'm just not around anybody to really facilitate the actual music aspect of that for myself right now, but that's fine. Cause I have this and, you know, writing music for podcast intros and stuff like that. So, but yeah, you also created the most important thing you can, which is a human being. So well, that's almost like the yeah. ultimate form of art. If you think about it. Well, yeah, no, I mean my, <laughs> that's funny. You say that that's, I that was what we were watching. My wife and I were watching that movie. This is the end. When they're at James Franco, you've never seen that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're at James Franco's house, and he's like, "What? You don't like art, Jay?" And Jay, he's like, "He's like, (laughs) your dad and your mom getting together." He's like, "Boom, you come out. That's art, baby. You know, something like that." So that that is um, art. But yeah, no, I, I, you're right. I mean, I don't have much time to even do any of that stuff now. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. So back to. your whole thing so do you i know you have played live shows with this lineup are you going to play more live shows or is it just like a recording thing or um well i can answer that in two parts the first thing is yes we have a show booked on march 24th with this other band called big salad it's a it's our buddy uh big nads from the band bump him and this other guy Costa. shout out to big nads big nads what up yeah they do uh it's all instrumental stuff but it's super cool and uh, actually, Danny, uh, our buddy Danny Emerson plays the keys in that group. And uh, we're really looking forward to that. It's like kind of going to be a birthday show. I know Nads' birthday is around that time in March. And uh, my birthday is in March March 15th. So it's right around. It's going to be a nice little thing. But Do you have an official um, lineup or is it like a kind of interchangeable lineup? Yeah, my my group is always usually the same people, obviously. I have my buddy Tony Newhand singing, and then um, I have my my other friend Chris Emerson, who's actually the producer of the album, and uh, then our 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 cousin Rob and this other phenomenal bass player named uh, named James DeCarlo. He's amazing. He's one of the best musicians in the area. I yeah, know you J- know him real James well too. Is, yeah, James is one of my favorite people, and I remember sitting in Kalamazoo and that. Uh, that old house in the um back in the day what was that like verdict or whatever um, yeah wall and, street bro oh yeah wall street wall street wall street and um <laughs> uh yeah and i just remember him teaching us echoes on the guitar and he was a bass player that's how good of a musician he is he was teaching us guitar we were guitar players he was teaching us guitar stuff and he's a bass player so um, yeah so i you know i i had this thought though um the other day and I don't even really consider myself a musician. I would, I would really, I would more like the term, uh, well, I'm an artist because whether I'm taking photos or writing music or whatever it may be, it's kind of just like I'm using a particular medium to get my emotion across. And again, you can have a debate, this and that. I don't really, I don't know. 
I, I hang out with such good musicians where it's, it's unfair for me to even put myself on the same level as them. I know they would say, Oh, you can play, you can play with us. But it's like these guys, especially Chris Emerson, our, my producer, it's like this guy spends hours and hours and hours learning and doing all this stuff. Like I don't practice. What's is it? Fish guitar lessons. Yeah. I'm actually, that, that page is awesome, man. Fish guitar lessons on YouTube. If you guys are into the band fish and want to learn how to play the songs, like he does a really authentic uh, breakdown and he has tab along with him playing the song. So he does an amazing job that if you're looking to try and learn a fish song, like his channel is one of the best and it's, he's just been doing videos Even as you enjoy myself on there, which is the, the seminal uh, masterpiece. That's almost impossible to play. So yeah, totally, totally. And he, he makes it a absolute, um, he makes it, he only will play the song all the way through. I was like, dude, you can, play a part here, play a part there. And he's like, no, I, I do it this way. I have to play the song perfect the whole way through. So like, not only are the videos instructional for people to learn how to play the song, but it's almost like it's a, uh, a test for him to be able to play these fish songs one take all the way through. If you, if you, even if you like the band fish, you can go check out his channel, fish guitar lessons. And he just released the song way, which is uh, the first song that ever got me into fish. It's very weird. Dude. It's very Dude, off, that's off. Uh, did you listen to our I last don't even know episode? How to explain it. What did you listen to our last episode? The no. one I did with Shane and that Alec guy. No, I haven't. Um, so I thought we were gonna get copyright because I sang the first part of that song. Oh no, yeah. And, and um, so that's the first song I heard that captured me. I heard that in, that was in Rob's like white Camry that I heard that. That song. was I'm me like, and you, man. We were. I was. Uh, I were was you with me? With yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm like, this is so peculiar, but I like it. It's different, you know? But that's, dude, that's, yeah, that's crazy. But anyways, I wanted to jump back on the on the topic that I was saying is where I would consider myself more of an artist because I'll have an emotion and then I use the music as a vehicle to get it out. And I think, I'd like to think that if I didn't know how to play the guitar, then I would find a different way to do it. I just, I love music. I gravitate to it more than anything because I think that, music i i think that film is the ultimate form of art but because film the reason i think it, it's the ultimate is because it mixes music with image so like music videos i would consider in the same genre as that but when you like when you watch a movie and you have image and music and it marries together the, the emotion that 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 conveys is like the absolute ultimate but again it all comes back down to the music and uh that's why i just love writing music because it, it helps you you know it's, it's like if you have a feeling or something that you can't actually verbalize then music is there to kind of get it out get it out of you and again i think that that's people need to really uh contemplate why they're making art in today's world you post stuff you're posting your life you're posting pictures and stuff like that it's like take a time take some time to think about why you're doing what you're doing and that will like reveal why you're creating something. And you, you might learn a little something about yourself in the meantime, but um, I just think of myself as very, very a simple person and I take the guitar and I use it and I write some words and uh, which is what, what, what's is interesting here. It's like, if you listen to the, to the music, especially the Dogo band, 
we do a lot of electronic stuff and every song that that's on the first ep um we got six songs and check out dogo on spotify all six songs are on there also check dogo out on uh, all the links all the links are down below um at the bottom so what i try and do is i'm kind of fed up with the guitar well first of all it's not it's not really i'm fed up with the guitar it's just i think the guitar for me has has ran its course so I write the songs on the guitar, but this is this really will support what I'm talking about as me just being an artist because I'm using the guitar as just a tool to get the chords and to figure out the melody. And then when I take the song to the studio, I lay the guitar part down. And then once that's down with the melody, I go, let's get rid of the guitar. Sometimes it ends, it stays in there, but a lot of the time all the guitar parts are either, you know, transcribed to either piano or some kind of different um you know like a Rhodes or something like that or organ or something in that in that realm but it's 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 cool because the song just totally changes and it morphs and I have to just give the my producer Chris Emerson like such such praise because I don't even know it's like a magic going in that basement and I've been to other bigger studios with more money and uh there's something about going into his basement that there's just like a magic there and the way that we work together. It's just, it's kind of like what you were talking about where it takes you a little bit to be free, to be yourself. And after this, this last song, I love all the material that we've done before, but this last song is like, this is the sound we've been trying to get. It's like a mixture between singer songwriter, but also has this electronic vibe to it. It's, I wouldn't call it electronic music in any sense, but there's an electronic feel to it that, uh, yeah, I'm just super. I, I like the new song a lot, and that's like Let's say really electric, the direction that, not electronic. Yeah, 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 exactly. So like that's the uh, the path that I'm going for, and uh, my advice to any artist out there is whatever you have the idea in your head, it's like try to stay as true to that idea as possible um whatever that may be that's the trick from uh being just you know someone creating something and then being a real artist the real artist feel figure out a way to keep that idea as pure as it can be and depending on what medium you're using it may or may not be realistic it's like if you have an idea for a movie or something and you have these like explosions and stuff like that are you going to be able to do that i don't know but um if you're writing a song, it's a lot easier to kind of stay true to your idea because you can, especially in today's world, the, the the amount of uh, studio power that we have in my buddy's basement or that you probably have in your Macintosh is like, it's more powerful than what the Beatles were using. So we're in a crazy time where we can create stuff. We can create pretty much anything we want especially with the cameras and stuff like that. You want to do you want to shoot a movie, you can do it. Dude, we made it to the out. moon with less technology than the <laughs> iPhone, man. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So there's no excuses now. It's like if you have a willpower and an idea, then get out there and do something, which is totally inspiring at the same time. It's like anyone has that capability, so the competition is a lot more fierce, but at the same time um you got to just get out there and do it, which another positive thing that kind of is is freeing about this whole experiment this this new band is there's literally no pressure on me whatsoever this is like 
a thing I go every Tuesday. I go for a couple hours and we just, we create stuff. I'm not in a band, like the band isn't paying my bills. I'm not trying to gain fame. I'm not trying to get women. I'm not trying to impress, you know, kids to become popular or whatever it may be. I'm just literally creating music because I feel it. And there's a, there's an honesty to that. There's a simplicity to that. And it, that's kind of where I'm at. And I, again, I think you, you described it perfectly. It's like, if you can figure out a way to be yourself, it's not the easiest thing. You know, I, I, I take pictures for people and well, I it's, take it's pictures being yourself pe- through the medium, right? You're, you're right, not, right. you're not, it's not just being, you can be yourself. You are you, it's being yourself through some sort of other medium where, um, like an interface, like for instance, the internet or social media, just take social media. Most people aren't themselves on social media. They're going to post whatever makes them look the best. That's not their full spectrum of a daily life. So, like, if you can somehow yeah. encapsulate, if, if I see people where they do show their lives like that, I'm like, I'll follow that person. That person's showing their their true colors. You know, I appreciate that. So, um, but yeah, I think to your point, I think it's not it's the 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 medium is the tough part to accomplish being yourself. If that makes sense. Yeah. I was just going to say real quick that I know people that are like the most outgoing people in the world, but as soon as you pull the camera out, I went to, I've went to photo shoots with people where I knew they were super shy and the photos came out amazing. And I went to photo shoots where people are the most outgoing pe- people in the world. And then you pull out the camera and they all, they get real, you know, it's like, uh, like when Chandler tries to smile on friends, like he just gets ugly. It's weird. It's, uh, and it's, it's all about being a photographer in today's climate. It's really not about the gear. It's really just about making your, your subjects feel comfortable and putting them into poses and stuff like that, where they feel confident and, and comfortable. And, uh, that's kind of what I've been focusing on more and more, especially because the iPhone just keeps getting more powerful. And, uh, it's really not about the gear. The more you get into this stuff, it's like, it's not about the gear. It's the same thing with guitars. If you if you can play the guitar, write a song. It's not about yes, a thousand dollar guitar, two thousand, five thousand dollar guitar is it, it helps, but it doesn't matter. You can pick up an old beaten up well, acoustic. I've written thing, most of my music on a beaten up acoustic. There's like kind of like a magic to it. You know well, what I'm saying? Here's the thing: as somebody that used to sell high end guitars, I'll tell you this. Yeah, they will sound better, obviously, but I don't. I think the thing that gets under valued when you're talking about price your guitar is just how easy they are to play it's literally like playing butter some of them like especially those prs's yeah yeah, prs um i mean even like some of the older worn in fenders and tellies that i've had to take apart or authenticate or whatever some of those ones are like just so easy to play so i think that you're right um in one regard but i also think that you know you can do any look at like what Jack White, what he does. He takes shitty things, you know, like shittier instruments and makes them sound retro and cool. And people love the White Stripes or Jack. And that's White. what his that's his sound, though. Yeah. And again, it just boils right back to the guy when he started playing the guitar. He probably was playing everybody's music, which every any artist does. It's like we can't stop watching music we or listening to music. We can't stop watching movies or what, looking at pictures and stuff like that. You have to be inspired. So every, every musician, every artist in any um, aspect has always been inspired. So you're going to, it's, it's like copying a little bit, 
but it's also about being inspired by stuff. I mean, look at Quentin Tarantino is the perfect example of this. Every half the shots the guy uses are from other movies. I mean, he he takes storylines and plots and everything from movies, but he does it his way. So um they say that, you know, poor you know, bad artists copy and good artists steal. So it's like bad artists will like copy something and call it their own, but you know, the good artists will actually just straight up steal the ideas, but then they figure out a way to use it as their own. And, you know, Jack White is an absolute amazing example of that. The guy has, he has a sound and it's right back to the same thing. He has an idea in his head and he's worked his ass off to get that idea out. And his idea, his music, his tone is through those rough guitars, you know, and no one can, it's the ultimate goal as a guitar player where you hear them and you go, that's them. Jerry Garcia, he not only does he have a tone that you'll recognize, he also has, instead of, he'll play the melody, but he adds the in these chromatic, chromatic roles. notes. And it's yeah, like, yeah, it's like, roles. that's the guy. It took him a while to get to that level. If you listen to old uh, Jerry, you know, old Grateful Dead and stuff like that, he sounds like a run-of-the-mill blues player. And then as the band got going, he started to develop his own style. Obviously, bluegrass, there's an influence to him. And it's all these factors coming in the guitar, the I mean, he's tone done a the lot guitar, of guitar, you know, he take plays, back all, all the, that ju- stuff. the jug band, the, the mountain tub thumpers or whatever they were called. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, take it, go back, like Trey has it too. Yes, his guitar helps that, but he was a part of. I, mean, I was that watching language doc. I guarantee you that thing's crazy. That thing's unbelievable. <laughs> he I was mean, he was explaining to the guys in Goose. He goes, uh, they were setting up an amp, and he's like, when I turn my guitar this way, I can get this. He was talking about divided sky. He's like, this is how I sustain this note, and if I turn the guitar this way, is how I sustain this other yeah. note. And he, yeah, he it was knows. that yeah. meticulous, and I was blown away. I I couldn't I couldn't even believe that the way he tilts his guitar is allowing him to sustain different particular notes so it's it's essentially the way he tilts it is 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 allowing a different vibration to to resonate a certain way it's crazy goose <laughs> um yeah i mean um let's see here oh somebody asked nate asked about billy strings i think billy's strings is exceptional i love i see he's been playing a lot more electric lady or electric lady electric lately <laughs> um but I prefer him to be playing acoustic, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't think he's as good on the electric as he is on the acoustic. I think there's, I think that this is going to sound, I think there are people that can translate it and like do both. But I think some people sound better um, on one or the other. And I think Billy Strings just sounds way better on acoustic. Just It just suits his style. So when he's jamming with them, you, he was up there with like Trey and like Goose and all that. And like, yeah, it sounded good. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't what you would expect from Billy Strings, you know. Doesn't he use like electric pedals and stuff with the acoustic though? Yeah, too? yeah. But he does have like some electric guitar uh, that kind of looked like an SG. I don't know what it was. Um, yeah, I'm not very familiar. I've seen him obviously with uh, like playing with with bands and stuff like that. And yeah, he sounds absolutely phenomenal. Um, I really like Goose. I. I, it took me a while. Yeah, I, I always too. appreciated their jams because I saw them live and I never even I didn't even know who they were. I never heard a song from them, and that's that's almost how I got into Fish. I saw them live, and barely like I heard that Way song, but I had no clue. And back in those days, yeah, your first show was at ninety nine. 
Yeah, December Pal- 2nd, Sob- 99. Pale Sovereign Hills. But my sister's like, the whole show is music. I didn't know what that meant. She goes, they don't sing. They play music pretty much 90% of the show. And I had no idea what that was. Just being, you know, a rube listening to alternative music. Like, oh, there's no words in a song? That That doesn't make any sense to me. Until you see it. And the reason I started playing music was I saw how a band can make a whole arena. It's like a collective conscious, like come together and the energy, everybody at the same point is feeling something. And that blew my mind. It's, it's a, it's a bigger concept than music. The music is, is the, the thread that sewed that, that feeling, but there is a bigger concept there. And not to get too philosophical, but if the, if the whole world could kind of get on that same wavelength, that's when I think like the human race is going to go up to another level of, of, uh, I don't even know existence, another level consciousness. of it's consciousness, all that good stuff. It's, it, it's, it's actually quite profound because really the electric Kool-Aid acid tests, um, was the same thought. And obviously when you take a psychedelic, that can, you know, enhance and push you to that level uh, faster. I think it's kind of a cheat, but um, it's a possible thing. It's just it happens a lot at the fish shows because of the, the type of people that are going there all kind of have the same ideals, if you will. Um, it might be a little different now. I know you've had some negative experiences um, out in, in Chicago, which it calls for college and people of that of that nature rather than going to see them like you know when we went yeah out, i was uh, wearing a a red wings fl- fly famous mockingbird uh it was fly famous it was a fish red wings shirt it was like one of those like you know you buy them on etsy or whatever and it was like fly yeah, yeah, famous mockingbird yeah. with the with the red wings thing on and somebody go somebody from i think they were a, a schittsburg fan and uh <laughs> They're like, hey, the penguin, you know, like, shut up. You know, like, I don't, I'm here to enjoy music. I don't care about sports right now, you know, and nor do I care that much to get in a fight with some random person at, like, a show, you know? It's just, like, keep that right. shit to yourself. I don't really give a shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, And the Red Wings are better, so shove it up, you know? It does. It depends on what year, but, yeah, we're getting back. We're getting back, baby. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, so here, here's the thing. Bottom line is um, the shows I've noticed. Yeah, I mean, look, there's always been like a seedier underbelly or like depravity late night style, you know, like on Shakedown. You know, there's there's an element there, no doubt. But for the most part, everybody's cool, chill, the vibes, the people, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. But for me, it's always the thing I've never understood was the whole people that love the dead that hate fish or love fish that hate the dead or love fish that now are shitting on goose or whatever. It's just like, can't you like it all? Like I mean, maybe it's because we're musicians and we understand music and music theory and like how to put stuff together. We understand the technology. We understand the instruments and everything. We understand how hard it is to do all that. Maybe we have a different respect than like an average listener, not to sound like elitist, but I mean, look if you're gonna have an opinion on things at least know what you're talking about so it's like you can like fish and not the dead or like the dead and not fish or whatever but you can't say one's worse or the other because they, they definitely have all, all all of these bands have their flaws right you know i think um 
I just like I said, I just never understood. That's that the... community. These people are want they want to. I see it on the. I'm on a fish uh, group and Facebook, and it's like people are like, "Oh, goose is awesome," and they're like, "This is absolute poop." So <laughs> that's how. Again, you know, it's, what's what's funny is that's how I was when I was in high school. Yeah. And that's how you should you should be like. Now that. you're that you way with films. Like that, but you should be like you. That's when it's okay to be stupid and and very snobby about things. I th- I was so dumb. I used to love, I was like, Fish is the only band. It was all I listened to. It's like, dude, what are you doing? You're limiting your 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 whole scope of music to, to one band. A good band, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, it's like there's a whole world out there. And uh, like, what is Fish listening to? That's the, that's the question. It's the same thing with the films. It's like, what movies is, is what inspired Martin Scorsese? You know, what what movies inspired Quentin Tarantino? That's the stuff that that that's amazing too. Not only is the stuff that you know they're making is good, but the stuff that inspired them is good, just as good or even better because it's more groundbreaking. And but again, that was our high school mindset, and people get caught in these ways. And I don't know. I always just try to 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 do a little bit better, to be a little bit better. To well, here's the thing, and they're different. Like. I don't know, like the dead. You can't even compare them. It's well, here, here's the thing: as him. somebody that's a fan of both, I'll explain it this way: the, the, if I want to be put into a mood or like a nostalgia or taken somewhere, I'll listen to the dead. If I want mm-hmm. to have my mind blown in some sort of climax, you know, like get me all hyped up, I'm gonna listen to '93 to '98, '99 Fish. That's just what it is. You know, so um, it different things for me. You know, Machine Gun Trey can do things that Jerry Garcia could never do, but there's things that Jerry Garcia's guitar does for me to my soul that I don't also get from Trey. That you know, does that make sense or no? Yeah, and that's that's just one aspect that you're just talking about the music aspect of it. I think there's a, also a lyrical aspect of it. They both actually have very interesting, unique uh, lyrics. I would say that Robert Hunter might have a little slight edge, but the Dead's like a little more serious. They they created like an Americana a story. They have characters and this and that. And Fish is more of a goofy thing. Now, is drama better than comedy movies? They both have amazing movies that I love to watch. Fish is more of like a just a fun thing with you know Runaway Jim and this and that. They both have something to them that's unique. So it's impossible to compare the two. Well, I mean, it's um, like, I don't, okay, let me put it this way. I can put on Broke Down Palace and, like, really get real, you know, <laughs> real you'll, yeah, you'll deep. Cry. And, you know, and, like, I don't know if I, have, I can ever get that way from a Fish song. Like, I don't get like that, like, Waiting in the Velt. Like, what's a song that you would consider? Fast Enough for You is, is good. I guess, yeah, Fast Enough for You, that's a good example. Uh, maybe. Well, you're never going to get the sorrowful the the album what is it uh american beauty a couple of their oh, parents yeah. died during what that what do you mean robert I hunter's think? crying in the documentary talking about the lyrics that he wrote this guy you know he's like i had, yeah, exactly. I had a case of wine and i was in the heart i was in yeah. london it was like the you know like he's thought he's like all romantic about it and shit yeah i mean you're never going to get that you know um it's just different but it's things. like you said it's it's finding your voice robert hunter had a particular voice and he found it and him and jerry worked amazing together and tom marshall has his particular voice it's a little jovial it's 
it's a completely different thing. Yes, I would say that the Grateful Dead would convey more of a sadder tone to me, and I love. I resonate more with darker, sad music. I listen to it. It doesn't really make me sad. It's very peculiar. It doesn't make. I feel happy when I'm sad. That's why I love Radiohead. It's like the the music is super melancholy, but for some reason, me feeling that melancholy makes me ha- happy. I don't even know. It's very I, strange. I have a hot take I don't here. know how to explain it. I have a hot take. Radiohead. <laughs> uh, had had the pleasure of seeing them live in Chicago or outside of Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. I was always told, aside from Fish, they were going to blow my mind live. And it was a good concert, but it was no better than like other you know, like jam shows I've seen. Yeah. The best show I've ever seen isn't even a fish or a dead show or whatever. It's gray boy all-stars at the, the house of blues, dude, the whole fucking place was floating. And like, you could feel the fucking flo- the floor pumping up and down people jumping from the funk, dude. Oh, I'm I telling believe you, it. The, the gray boy all-star show. In yeah, I Chicago, saw him live that, too. That was, was the 30th anniversary show it was unfucking believable. And I had an amazing time. Um, shout out to Chris and, Chris Monahan, Justin Rock, wherever you are, that was that was a fun time. Um, shout out to Rob for getting us into Grey Boy All Stars. The bottom um, line is, you're never going to be able to say this band's better than that band. Number one, no, it's about an experience. It's an experience thing, in my opinion. Yeah, and I can't. I, I you can't. And that comes back to my point. You can't figure out what the public's going to like. I'll put out something that I know is. I I learned my lesson with the comedy channel. I put out something that was made me slap my ass. I was laughing so hard, and people watching they think it's the absolute dumbest thing ever. Uh, comedy is the most objective type of art form there is. It's it's insane how different someone can see um, a comedy thing. It's either funny to them or it's dumb to them or I don't know. It's it's crazy how the divert how a divisive that 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 medium can be. And it just, it, that, that, that concept ricochets through all art form food. Um, and especially music podcasts, all that stuff. But that's the beauty of the human race. Everybody has uh, something that they like me and my girlfriend. We like the exact opposite music. I mean, obviously we come from a different, she's from Ecuador and they listen to Latin inspired stuff down there. She'll listen to She'll listen to Fish and Dead and think that's weird. You know what I mean? It's not part of their culture. So it's a completely different animal. Having said that, you'll take a band like Eminem or the White Stripes or something, and if she knows about them, you really see the scope of how big these bands are because that means that they've transcended um, the United States. And if a band can transcend that, that's how they become these global megastars. I never even thought about it like that, but... Like her and her friend know Eminem. Her and her friend know the, the White Stripes and stuff like that. So that's that's kind of cool. I, I never even really thought about it like that. Um, Nate commented, which Chicago shows were bummers? Um, <laughs> I well, don't even think okay. they were bummers. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Let me, let me, let me, let me just, I'll give <laughs> this a. This guy was floating with jellyfish. I don't yeah, know what I'll, 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 I'll. Okay, I'll break it down pretty quickly here. We've done episodes. You can listen to our Trip Reports episodes. I tell the whole story at length. But, okay, so I think it was 2017, Northerly Island. Um, the I, We had tickets to two nights in a row. There was three nights total. I think, what did we have, Saturday and Sunday? Or was it Friday and Saturday? I forget. Um, anyways, 
I think it was Friday and Saturday we had. No, we had Saturday and Sunday. Oh, did we? Okay. Yeah. Um. So the first, the night one that we went, my wife, um, who's been to multiple fish shows. I mean, she saw a fish with me at Pine Knob a few times. She had seen them uh, at Northerly Island in previous years and stuff like that. We she she's been to shows with me. Um. So the first night, she I don't know what happened, but she either got like, like dosed or somebody slipped something in her drink or this is my theory is that she drank this huge guitar margarita drink that they were selling there on an empty stomach and then hit my vape pen a bunch of times uh and then she got like lightheaded and said she was gonna faint and she fell forward um and fainted and then when she got up she like couldn't remember anything it was like super like nervous and scared like what the hell is happening i mean thank god i wasn't on anything i couldn't handle the situation you know i was just hitting the vape pen so um maurice was there he's like oh i'll I'll help he got got her a piece of deep dish pizza she ate a little she started to feel better (laughs) and i remember walking out uh I think the fir- end of the first set, which was simple, we walked out at the end of this like long ass simple jam, which was actually yeah, pretty I'm sick. Yeah, at the set list. I right regret, now. I regret, um, you know, not leaving earlier, but it was just tough to get her kind of reacclimated to what was going on. Anyways, so that was night one. Um, you know, she ended up being fine. She was like, it was weird. I don't know, probably low blood sugar. I, I again, I have no idea. Yeah, I've, I've never seen anything like that before. Um, and there was somebody that worked at like you know, University of Chicago hospital that was like sitting by us. He's like keeping an eye on her too and stuff. So we, we, we definitely had it under control. Um, so then the next night I'm like, I had this ticket. I'm like, I'm not going to go. She's like, you know, go, go have fun. I'm fine. Whatever. Yeah. We bought tickets on the floor, on the floor. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. we were on the floor and we were very close. Um, this is where <laughs> things get real interesting. Um, I've probably only done, uh, MDMA, I don't know, like 15, 20 times total in my life. And for whatever reason, I'm like, let's go hard. Uh, I ended up breaking off a, a 0.3, so 300 milligrams for M- Maurice and I each. Um, that was a lot. <laughs> uh, we both kind of had meltdowns there. I know his girlfriend at the time was consoling him by the porta potties. And I, Possum blew my mind so hard. I go, I have to get out of here. I cannot stay here. And that was like early on. And I ended up staying for like a little bit longer. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I think I texted you. I'm like, dude, I got to go home. I, I can't. And then uh, I get a ride home. And then ultimately for the rest of the night, I'm laying in my bed with these like translucent jellyfish floating around, sending me like telekinetic messages. I'm like, what's going on? Because I've never had visuals like this on MDMA. Um before so i was very confused it definitely was pure mdma i I definitely tested it um and now things have gotten dramatically worse out there for everybody anybody that out there that does powders please please test your stuff um you know um please test your stuff we've had we've lost a couple real good friends that thought they were doing other things like cocaine and molly and stuff like that so uh anyways um that's pretty much the story. I mean, you know, aside, aside, so what Maurice and I were talking about, aside from, um, that it was just the, the blatant lack of respect that people had for each other. And then the balloons littering the ground everywhere. I'm sure people know where I'm going with that. Um, and yeah, just, I think it's a whole nother animal now. I mean, people think, Oh, 
when we were kids, the fish thing was very low key, and now it's. I mean, they're we went actually to... probably more popular than they've ever been, and it's like this is a party scene. So there's a lot of people that are going to these shows that have, they don't have the purest intentions, and they probably don't even like the music. So just take that with a grain of salt. I'm not saying anyone is good or bad. I just think people are yeah. going more for the scene rather than the music. I mean, let me put it this way: when we were younger, I feel like there was less bunk drugs. Um, sketchy people. I mean, there's always been sketchy people, but there's less uh, when we were young. Like, for instance, we went to It Festival. Um, the guy, the car in front of us got busted with, they, they pulled like seven tanks out of the car in front of us when we arrived at It Festival, uh, nitrous tanks. And then when you arrived at It Festival, it's an old airport, but there's no airplanes. The The sounds of the, the airport that you're hearing that, the, that sounds like planes are taking off are actually thousands of nitrous tanks that are being you know, tapped. Um, so, um, I, I just think that like, even back then people were very respectful, um, and just nice, nicer to each other. I just, like I said, I get like bad vibes uh, at some of these jam shows now. Maybe that was just a couple experiences, but I'm a nice person. I don't start shit with anybody. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think those Chicago shows might have been a different animal, too, just because of the nature of where it was. It's in Chicago. Um, you get to some of these, like, Deer Creek venues. Um, I don't know. I just Because of the city, that's just such a broad spectrum of different types of people that you're going to get the college kids coming out. You're going to get the people that are trying to just find the party, whereas some of those other shows, I'm sure they have them, but like a Deer Creek or even up where we, we, we went to a show this year at uh, Pine Knob. Um, and it's just more of a, it's kind of outside of the city. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but yeah, that those Chicago shows that were kind of interesting. I did see a lot of uh, meathead types and, uh, and that's that. Yeah. I mean, the other aspect of it, um, that I find interesting, like you said, though, like that makes sense, actually, what you said. Now, thinking about it, having lived in Chicago, um, just the downtown, it's got tons of colleges down there. There was a lot of like college type people at that show. I don't know. Like I said, and that was actually I'm trying to think that might have been the last show. I've how many shows have we been? I mean, total I've been I know I have been to like a lot of shows, not necessarily just fish shows, but just jam shows in gen it's general. We've been seeing jam show since we were like 14 15 years old and at one point in high school when i first got my car we went to almost every single show in the area that we could find for years you know so yeah dark star we saw probably dark star times. a ton of times we saw uh well, our buddy's mom also worked for the for a radio oh, station yeah. and she would get tons of free tickets she would get tickets to all these shows Oysterhead. And never go so we would always take them and go yeah, we, we saw that Oyster yeah we were at show. the we were at the wrigley shows too we do actually. Uh, Nate just mentioned awesome. uh, Wrigley. We were at the Wrigley show. Actually, I pulled up a clip of you screaming, going "Woo!" That one yeah. at that at that uh, Wrigley show. Um, <laughs> actually, I, I, I have a picture too of the the Wrigley sign where it says, "I saw you with that ticket stub in your hand." Um, mm -hmm. But no, that was a great show. I think you might have uh, mauled up a bit, and I think I might have mushed up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I know Raji's was was there, but not for the music. Oh yeah, he, we were we were having fun. <laughs> he was getting free drinks all night in Boys yeah. Town. Um, yeah, but look, look, um, you know the whole music scene thing. 
I th- and I and I hate to paint it. I'm just this is like my honest assessment of it is um I think the jam scene's one of the better music scene if not the best. The problem for me is maybe it's I'm, I'm getting older, maybe I have higher expectations of people or whatever, maybe just culture just changes that rapidly where things you know change like that, but uh, I just remember growing up going to see hundreds of shows of jam bands and just not getting that vibe until like four or five years ago. So I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's like it's kind of like a continuation from the old, the old jazz days because it's improvisation and it's nice to go see a, a show that's improvisation. Beside, they're obviously still jazz and stuff like that, but it's not as predominant as it used to be as the twenties or the thirties or the forties or whatever. And uh, for me. I love going, and that's kind of the difference between a band like Radiohead and Pink Floyd who have like a predetermined set list. And there is a beauty to rehearsing something to the gnat's ass and uh, and putting on a show. But then there's also this other thing that I think you gravitate more towards, whereas just the improvisational bands who let it, let it fly. And yeah, there are going to be some mistakes and stuff like that, but that's kind of beside the point. It's all about going off the cuff and creating an atmosphere and doing something that's very particular to that night. That's never going to happen again. And there's a beauty to the improvisation. I I love jazz. Obviously that's more of an elevated form of the improv, but there is something really cool with the, the jam band, um, the, the, the single chord modal vamps that kind of meander and because it's so simple, because it's one chord and this might get a little, you know, tedious for people that don't know music, but essentially it's just when you have jazz, you have lots of different chord changes. The, the song even might change keys. So the the improv, the person who's soloing over it, has got to be uh, very on point when they when they're improvising. The jam band stuff is a little more uh, open ended, a little looser, um, just because the structures of the songs are a little more simple. Which there's a there's a beauty to that. There's an art to that. Um, and I think that the human race will always gravitate towards that. I think there, there's a, that's an amazing thing. There's some comedians that do more of an improv. Um, I know JB there's Smooth a share. does that more. Yeah. JB Smooth. Uh, there's a, <laughs> uh, I was just watching Curb the other day. That shit's funny. Um, yeah, he's a good guy. There's an exchange that happens too, and you know this from playing live shows. There's an exchange. Like, imagine what you felt playing a live show and the energy that you got from the crowd. Now, imagine playing at like Clifford Ball and walking on that stage, or like, I mean, that's just got to be the most nuts feeling that, that, you know, ripping, think about like shredding or climaxing, you know, you tensing up and then releasing and then having 80,000 people just go nuts. Um, I mean, totally. that, but so, but the fans I feel like at jam shows are part of the show where I, I don't feel that when I've gone to other concerts, you know what I'm saying? Uh huh. So I think that that's a huge element earlier. You mentioned something too, um, about your songwriting process. You were just talking about like inside music kind of stuff or inside baseball about music, you know, like chord changes and modes and things like that. You mentioned yeah, how yeah. you write songs which is that you're the artist and the guitar is just that medium that allows you to get that out almost like poetry. Right. So right. that's where we differ. And you just, cause you were just mentioning like my approach to this, which is you can write something that you know is going to be a song and then apply it to the guitar later. Whereas for me, anything that I've ever written, chord structures, full songs, you know, I've written 
whole CDs. All of that stuff has come from me playing the guitar. So like I develop from playing improving on the guitar and you develop from think thoughts and and so that's where I think when we've worked together in the past that's why we work so well together because I have an idea of what I want to do musically and you're not so concerned about the music even though I mean you are but you're you're more concerned about like the the lyrics and the the structure of the song you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. yeah the so, melody and stuff yeah so I mean I think yeah that that, totally man but I think that, that everybody that, has their own everybody has their own approach when you hear these musicians talking on in an interview and stuff like that it's like no two people write the song the same so that's where the beauty of uh, that's just life there's there's a beauty to that everybody has their own approach everybody has their own outcome and that's what it's all about is finding your voice you know bring it right back to that figuring out who you are and try and stay true to that idea that that you have and the the more true you can be to that idea the more original it will be to you i mean i agree with that that's that's a that's a great sentiment um do you have a top show like do you have a top jam show of all time where you're like this is the best show i've ever seen I saw a Grey Boy All Star show that was absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah. The first fish show I saw in '99 was a, was a big game changer for me, just because it was something I've never been at a show before, where that that collective conscious. Uh, I've never been at a show before where everybody screams during the during a solo. It kind of sounds. Uh, I don't even know, but that, yeah, I've never. I was I was green, if you will. I was green to the whole scene. I saw like three eleven and alternative bands and stuff like that but i've never saw an improv show and when you see improv for the first time in music it's 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 definitely a game changer um more it's like where's the uh mosh pit (laughs) i actually saw this band acoustic hookah one time and i was was really uh, really good not only not only was i there but i remember Devin picking us up in his new car pulling out of his driveway hitting a car uh instantly the first day he had his car <laughs> yeah um actually you know wait you say what's my favorite jam band show is that what the question was yeah what's your what's what do you think's the best jam show you've ever seen like band or specific show or whatever well what the probably the best the best show that i've ever saw was actually this jack white show i got free tickets to and i wasn't even a fan really and i almost sold my tickets but it was at the masonic temple which he owns now, which is a really cool old, it was like an old temple that they turned into a concert hall. And Do you know the story behind that? His the, mom the, used to work there, and it was like back in the day, and he he like grew up like going there or something, and then when he found out that it was going under, they were going to like destroy it or tear it down or something, he bought it. He's like, you can't, this is a work of art. You can't destroy that. Yeah, um... That makes a lot of sense, but the tickets were seven thirty. Doors at seven thirty, so we got there at like you know eight, and we're standing there. This guy doesn't go on till literally like ten thirty or eleven, and he played like thirty two songs straight, and he melted again. I wouldn't classify him as a jam band, but he was he was improvising, he was soloing. I never knew how good of a guitar player this guy was. That's probably my favorite show just because of my expectations and expectations can, can, they can do something to you. You can go to a show and 
expect something and then be let down. But I had no expectations for this, and the guy blew my mind. And it was literally packed to the brim. So the energy also can can take an okay show and make it an amazing show. But um, the Fish 99, Jack White, and probably the Grey Boys as far as just pure quality improv going down. I really like that a lot. Nice. Lately for me, though, the last really good show I saw, again, no expectations, was Goose. So say yeah, what you were even you were torn. You're like, because we were supposed to do an episode that are you like, no, I can just do the episode. I'm like, dude, go to that show. Yeah, yeah, I remember that because I was I, again, I got free tickets to it. I was like, I don't even know what this is. I don't, I, you know, when you get older, you kind of get set in your ways. You don't want to. It's like friends. Do I do I want to have a new friend? I'm 38 years old. I'm not going to be like out there looking to make new friends with somebody. And bands are kind of like our friends in a way. So we get set in our ways and. You're like, I don't want to make it. I think that's a lot of the problem that these old fish heads that are afraid of ha- making a new friend, they're afraid of letting a new band in. And maybe they just don't like the music. Cause, but I, cause I've talked to my producer. He doesn't really like goose. Well, I've talked to our there, cousin Rob. He doesn't really like goose, yeah, but I gave him a chance and I liked it. So there, there's ones that I think get shit that deserve the shit. Like what's that one? Um, pigeons playing ping pong no 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 no. they're they actually those people have some sort of musical talent um (sighs) guster no dude they're it's like the guy (sighs) (laughs) there's a million of them no no it's dude when people say this it's it's like a stupid name too i'm drawing a blank here it's re they're more recent like very like people at Twiddle, twiddle, yeah, twiddle, 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 yeah. twiddle. Twi- dude, that's no boy. I don't know. Underst- I never understood that. They're not, they're not that great. Um, yeah, but I'm not a hater either. I've I've actually listened to like a lot of their stuff. I just I just don't understand the appeal. Um, well, there's a lot of run of the mill jam bands, and it's hard to even goose. You listen to some of their songs, and you're like, that's 2001 or that's possum. It's hard to be totally yeah, original. There's a, there's a guy I, I, f- I, fo- flo- uh, I, flo- I follow on Twitter. I think his name's Vickers or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he posts like, this sounds like this. And there's like tons of um, goose jams. Um, there's tons of goose jams that sound like other fish songs. There's one I heard. I swear to God, it sounded like Maze. I'm like, this is fucking Yeah, it's inevitable, like I said. But, but they, what are you yeah. going to do? I mean, so... For me, my top show, like experience-wise, was Grey Boy All Stars. I was sweating at the end of it. It was just everybody had awesome vibes. It was just an amazing show. I mean, yeah, I've seen some real sick fish show. I mean, that second night in Cincinnati, oh three. Oh yeah, is that oh two or is that oh three? Whenever they came back from their hiatus, I think it was oh three. It was our senior year. Yeah. Um, that second night in Cincinnati was unbelievable. Um, that Trey show at the Fox in Detroit that was, was yeah when we were in high too. school that was pretty sick too. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, we saw a Dark Star Orchestra show that blew my mind at the time. It gave me like chills for like ten minutes straight. Wall uh, for a China Cat. Um, mm. I know you ride or transition. I'm like these these fuckers nailed this thing. You know like how they did, they, did they, yeah they, they were good. Know, like and that was like the old lineup. I know that a couple people have died in that band since then, but. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, we've seen so many good shows. It's really hard. That Oysterhead show was good. Um, yeah, that I'm, was very cool. Somebody asks, what's the worst show with big expectations? I'm trying to think if I went to see a show where I'm like, this is going to be... Okay, I, I know one for me. Uh, it was Jazz Mandolin Project. Um, no good? Reason, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't. I was expecting I'm like, um, expected it to be maybe a little bit better. Was it with Fishman or no? <clears throat> no, no Fishman. No, that's sad. And I, maybe no. I was under the impression that it was, and that was part of it. Um, mine, mine was probably a fish show, more re- recent, just because I, you have such expectations and then sometimes they fall flat but that's the nature of an improvisational band you were a a fader for a little bit (laughs) and and you know what a fader is it's a fish hater ph i don't i don't i wouldn't say i hate but i'm gonna call it as it is if i hear a show i'm gonna say this is good or bad there's i'm not gonna just be um blinded by the name of the band i'll give you i'll be i'll give you my honest opinion of it i mean I, I think you're expecting more from it, but that's that's my that's me. Here's what it is. I think both you and Rob for a while were just under the impression that they could still just somehow play the same that they used to, even though they were getting older. And I think maybe I was a little bit more understanding of that because you. I think you guys called it like dad rock or something like that. Like, um, I listened to some clips from that show we saw at Wrigley Field. What year was that? That wasn't that long ago. 2016 i think mm. i don't yeah, know 2016 2016 dude that that run like an antelope was unbelievable um oh i, I know to... i know what i know what was the worst was uh fish at bonnaroo i can't remember it was the first year they played bonnaroo but i drove there it was just a bad time in my life like i i had to, i couldn't go because my grandma passed away so I went to her funeral and, and we left to go to Bonnaroo from Detroit the day, like immediately after her funeral, we drove all the whole day to try and get there to see fish that night. And we got there and it was, uh, it was just brutal and it was hot and it was one of the worst. Dude, you've been there. Seen. That's but, the funniest thing to me is you had already been to Bonnaroo. You already yeah, knew Yeah. And I said, I'll it. never go again. <laughs> My friend bought <laughs> you, me a free ticket though. I was like, all right, I can't we, say no to this. We went to the third one together it was me, 2000 and, it was 2003 me and rob we went to the one it was it was it was bob dylan and the dead it was uh bob D- yeah it was bob dylan and the dead i think dave schools was like sitting in with them too or something so, so there was like they had some special stuff going on uh ween uh yeah. my morning jacket uh it was dave and trey that's when like dave was playing yeah with, yeah yeah or uh trey was playing with dave matthews um who else was there? there was some good stuff. Oh, Steve Winwood. Um, I mean, there was tons of bands. We didn't yeah. get to see much because it was such. That when I Umf- went to Bonnaroo, dude, for the that first Umphrey's time, I thought, late I'll never night go set. Again. That that Umphrey's set late night. Uh, the the Vita Blue, which was Page's side project with the Spam Band All Stars, which was this like horn section. I was walking between that tent and the Umphrey's McGee tent. Uh, and they had, I think James Hatfield came out or something like something crazy. They played Metallica, something crazy. I forget happened. Uh, I'd have to go back and look, but, um, just to jump on Nate's comment. Yeah. We saw uh, at that Bonnaroo, they, we saw Primus. Oh yeah. Yeah. We was saw cool. I didn't really understand them at the time, but yeah, we saw it was Primus. so cool and unique. Um, I think string cheese incident was there too, or is that a string cheese? Jazz mandolin with Fishman was there. Yeah. Vita blue. 
um, Praxis. Dude, that Vita, that, that Vita Blue, they covered sheep, dude. This thing blew my mind. I'm like, this sounds like Pink Floyd. This shit's sick. Um, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of good stuff, but yeah. it's all it's all a collective of everything. The atmosphere, the heat. It was brutal. Le um, any Les Claypool? Uh, bro, I've seen, I think, Les Claypool more than... <laughs> I've seen Bucket of Burning Brains. I've seen, yeah, I've seen uh, uh, Oyster Oysterhead. Head. I've seen Primus. I've seen... There was some other thing, uh, uh, flying frog brigade. I've seen all, dude. I've seen all of his variations yeah. of weird shit. I don't know. I don't know how I've seen. I'd like them. to see him with the Lennon, with the yeah. Lennon son. That would be cool. Yeah. Though some of that music is is good, but no, I mean he's such a good. He might be one of the better bass players of all time. I'd say. Oh, absolutely, and if not the best, Talon wise, definitely the best. Um, uh, like, creatively, like the way he plays the bass and like you know his uh, notation stuff uh actually i think we're we're forgetting a show did you see the bela fleck show with me in the fleck tones i think yeah. it was like acoustic planet tour it I've was bela fleck of, i've seen them a bunch of times it was bela fleck and the fleck tones it was with i think yonder mountain string band and uh keller I don't know. williams I don't know if I was uh, yeah, Cal yeah, show. yeah it was keller williams i mean I don't know. And remember, we saw that wide that widespread panic show with uh, Jimmy Herring in high school. That was actually kind of interesting. Yeah, I like oh. widespread. But again, there's people that absolutely hate them. But I don't know. I've, I've if I li every band that I love, I hated it the first time I ever heard them. I listened to Fish, I hated them. Then I loved them. Grateful Dead hated them. Then I loved them. Radiohead hated them. Now I love them. Wilco hated them. Now I love them. Every single band that has grown. To, to, to find a place in my heart. I'm actually listening to this new band, Dr. Dog. They're not new, but they're new to me. First time I heard them, didn't like them. I'm now, about to like, Dr. Dog them, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Critical Equation by Dr. Dog. If anyone hasn't listened to this band, check these guys out because they're they're awesome. They use like all these weird guitars. They don't you know play what band like, you should check out or Gibsons. Huh. Dogo. D O there it is. Let's bring it. G O E. Bring it right back, baby. I like it. Um, yeah, yeah, everybody that's listening, that, that if you stayed with us this long, this this episode was kind of to pump up my band, and I would really appreciate everybody to go check out our our new tune on Dogo YouTube channel. Leave a comment. You can leave comment now on uh, on some of these because before when you had just uploaded music, it would just upload it to. Uh, to a, to your page, but you couldn't like comment or interact with it at any at all. And now you can. So, I just want to hear if you like it, leave a comment. If you don't like it, leave a comment. I I I love to hear everything. I'm I have thick skin. I've uh I've acclimated myself to the uh to the he's comments. Got, he's section. got eye assist. He's got real thick skin. He's got layers <laughs> hey! of scales, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Eye assist. D o e g o e. All the links are uh down in the in the in the description below we appreciate everybody tuning in and if you've made it this far uh thank you um i know this is a kind of a different episode it's not really uh, uh psychedelic or a escape your mind type thing but hey we can escape your mind with uh with some good music and stuff like that so here's I don't what know, i'll say any... uh this is our show we can do whatever we want yeah so yeah 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 really care. I, I don't know a lot of our people you know they they, they come to the show expecting some some stuff but um we have fun sometimes and uh 
we go from there. But you got any last words, my man? Um, huh. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I did. I did. I was gonna bring up some. Oh, wh- one thing I would pay for uh, if. Okay, I don't know if this is even possible, but I would pay two hundred dollars to go see. Uh, the jazz is dead with Jimmy Herring where they play like King Solomon's Marble. Have yeah, you ever heard oh, that yeah, disc? that's amazing. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, I have. Okay, that's so phenomenal. that jazz is dead. I would pay $200 to see that show. Um, so would I. That's that. That's a whole nother. Even if you don't like The Grateful Dead, you could probably like that. But It's so funky um, and so crisp. It's just yeah, it's good. these it's runs good. that Jimmy's doing. It's like, what are you doing, bro? Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, no. I, I, look, look, dude. You know, you're my obviously you're my cousin. You're my co-host. I love you. I'd do anything for you. Um, and you know, your music is good, and I think that it it should, um, it should get out there. Unfortunately, with w- the times we live in, with anybody being able to produce a track, you know, it's kind of like podcasting. Everybody's got a podcast now. Everybody's got a Mac. Everybody can be in a band or a singer or rapper or whatever. Um, so I think it. It definitely has diluted things down a little bit, but I do think that people still recognize quality. Um, and I think that, no doubt, I think that you know some people are going to listen to the show and be like, "I need to hear this," and you're going to get some new new listeners for sure. Um, and I know how much time and effort, and um, you know, we're both creative, but you know, we both work very hard at what we do. And I know that you put a lot of time into what you're doing. And I think that that comes out through your passion and your love for the music. But like you said, you know, you're just an artist as a person. And I like that approach for you because I think that that's more true to who you are currently. Like that's Mm -hmm. your current paradigm. So I appreciate that. And I'm here to support you, man. I mean, you know, um, one more thing. Uh, Maurice is also editing our documentary right now, uh, which I will play the trailer as we, you know, hit the outro here. Uh, but again, it is premiering, um, March 10th through 12th at the Roswell UFO Expo. Um, and we are also going to have a director's cut that we'll probably release after that weekend on Patreon for like $5. It'll probably be pretty long. Um, we're trying to get the main documentary down to around two hours, um, give or take. And yeah, Maurice is a whiz, man. I just, I, I love you, bro. You're really you're talented in many different ways. Music, the photography thing. If anybody needs any professional pictures in the Detroit area, Maurice is your man. So thanks brother. Right back at you. Love you too. And, uh, glad to be able to work with you on this, uh, documentary. That's kind of sucking all our energies right now. And, we're going to make this bad boy pop and we're very excited to release it. So who knows? I everybody man. I, else I mean, is we're excited try- too. Yeah. I'm trying to hopefully maybe move back to Detroit, um, you know, sometime later this year, maybe we can get a Mike and Maurice album going at some point. Um, well, I'd love to have you lay a track down regardless. <laughs> All right. I'm down. But, uh, oh, so yeah. So check out Maurice's band Dogo D O E G O E. The links are all on the bottom. Check out his Spotify. Subscribe to that. Add the, you know, do you have a playlist, Maurice? Um, I have. Yeah, I have. I I think I have some playlists on there. But all right. So so, but you should get them going if you don't, because then people can add you to the playlist. But anyways, go to Spotify. Um, follow him on there. Also subscribe to his YouTube channel. 
spread it around. If you like the music, tell people about it. You know, the best way, you know, if you're into jam bands and you've been listening to the show, you know how Fish got going. You know how The Dead got going. They didn't have social media. They just word of mouth. Hey, this band's sick. Check them out. That type of thing. So please start doing that. Do that for Maurice. Do that for Mind Escape. Do it for us. We'd appreciate that. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh yeah the links are down below if you want to support mind escape the easiest way to do that is click on the link tree link down below we have a patreon for two dollars a month you'll get exclusive guest episodes and content um we also have a merch store get yourself a hashtag let maurice speak t-shirt as well as some other interesting and psychedelic and ufo and ancient civilization inspired designs on there um yeah, check out. Oh, check out our uh, buddy Brian again. I'll I, I'm get some some uh, artists back in the mix here. Um, um, what was his? Uh, let me pull up his thing here because I want to. Uh, www.aligned-mind-designs with a z dot com. If you like all the psychedelic and jam band stuff. And, uh, yeah, check out my other podcast, the Roswell UFO Symposium. The link's down below. And the easiest way to support Mind Escape is honestly just to give us a nice review on Apple Podcast and Spotify. We do have video uh, episodes on Spotify. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to our Spotify and Apple Podcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcast and Spotify, please subscribe to our YouTube. We do all of our shows live on YouTube. And that's it, folks. Um, that's the whole show. Uh, thank you to Maurice who definitely spoke. And I, I, this is my favorite Maurice episode. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, Thanks, I'm serious. Man. This is my favorite Maurice episode by far. Uh, I think you really, um, the really, it was really, you, you worded your approach, uh, very well. So I appreciate you coming on and doing this and, uh, we're going to exit Anytime. with the trailer that Maurice helped create for our documentary coming out. Uh, which will, again, premiere in March. As within, so without, from UFOs to DMT. We love everybody. Stay safe out there, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace. Is it real or is it not? That's what you're asking me. I still, to this day can't find any rational explanation for what I saw. Extremely intelligent, apparently highly advanced, hyper-technological being. I think that we just don't look at the perception of reality in the right way yet. It got very close to the point that I could see just one big light and then it stopped and then it shot up in the sky. You know, you know you're not dreaming, but you wonder how real any of it really is. It dawned on me, it, it was real, this, this took place, but then I still didn't do anything with it, never said anything to anybody. There is some mind-altering aspect to these UFO encounters. Uh, a lot of people get a sense of missing time, I noticed that these three stars were kind of in a formation. It was a triangular formation. Condensed into entities or beings that uh, you interact with who are sentient. The chemicals which are going into our brain are making the unconscious archetypes come alive. How things evolve from pure energy to matter. 
definitely was kind of a paradigm shifting moment. And as we continue to evolve in our own consciousness, we will perceive of new modes of interpretation, but that may be dependent upon how this supposed phenomenon reveals itself to us. I'm not sure why we discredit the human experience when it's not in alignment with our current belief system. It's important to consider that, one, we don't really understand what our minds do under the influence of psychedelics. Uh, they all attest to the reality of some other realm. You call it the paranormal, doesn't matter what you call it, spiritual realm, supernatural, metaphysical, doesn't matter. The fact that we're essentially vibrating energy in a sense, and that when this experience is over, that that particular energy transforms and doesn't die because it can't die, fills me with a lot of comfort that there is something else after this so-called here and now. They show you how much of your reality is subjective and fragile and capable of being influenced by a psychedelic drug. Coming from a scientific background, you come up with explanations that range from geomagnetic to atmosphere to something that's physical in nature. There's a lot more out there that we don't know than we do know. So the entire system, the human body, is effectively a stimulation response machine. I think something's here. I don't know what it is. I don't know where it's from. It could be extraterrestrials. Until it made a full rotation and then it just hit an insane speed and just shot up straight into the atmosphere. I think that there's compelling evidence that psychedelics have played a significant role in human evolution over a long period of time. The our view of reality, the reality that we experience on a day-to-day -day basis seems to be this very, very thin slice of something far larger as within so without from ufos to dmt